If you're here for the first time, know that we are so glad that you're here with us today, worshiping with us. Uh, y'all, we, um, we just, we're coming on the heels of Serve Week, and this past, uh, this past Wednesday night, me and my family and, and several others in here, we were able to go and uh, serve at the pregnancy, Oasis Pregnancy Care Center. And I, just coming on the heels of uh, the Roe v. Wade decision, I just found it to be very, just uh, an incredible time to come and, yeah, praise the Lord, yeah, just to be able to come around and, and serve and love the marginalized. Right, as a church, that's, what we, that's why we do Serve Week, because we want to serve and love the marginalized in our community, in the womb. Uh, we want to serve the moms. We want to serve those that are in, in need all around us. Uh, and so it was just a special time to come and, and do that as a church. Um, but this week, you know, uh, we're back in John 15. Last week we were in John 15 where we saw uh, Jesus give his last I am statement in the book of John saying that he is the true vine. Uh, we know that the disciples are at dinner with Jesus right before his death. And we've been looking at this one teaching all summer long. And we've, been see- we've seen Jesus kind of circle around these uh, multiple different ideas. And we'll continue to circle around, these, circle around these same ideas today. But as he does this in John 15, he gives us uh, this word picture of the vine and the branches. And so if last week was part one for the teaching on the vine and the branches, uh, we could say that this week is part two. So we're going to have a lot of overlap from, la- from last week, but I do think it's worth it because of how rich it is. You know, last week we looked uh, at verses 1 through 11 and really focused on abiding in Jesus. We saw what it looks like to abide in Jesus and to be attached to the vine of Jesus. And we saw in verse 1 that Jesus is the true vine, reminding us that we're also, there's also false vines uh, that we're, attempt- we're tempted to attach to. And then we saw in verse 2 of John 15 where, uh, that when we're attached to Jesus, the vine, uh, it comes with seasons of pruning. And it's not to punish us, but it's for the purpose of bearing more fruit. We all know that being pruned is not fun, but in order to see the abundant fruitful harvest, pruning it must occur. And so it was a hard and encouraging and honest take on the reality of the Christian life, seeing how life, yes, it comes with great fruits, but also paired with seasons of pruning. But it's all for the purpose of growth. And we saw in verses 3 to 6 of John 15, Jesus continued to paint this picture of the vine and the branches, saying that he, that being Jesus, is the vine, and we, his followers, are the branches, continuing to give us this picture of the grapevine, which would have been very familiar to the disciples, because it was somewhat of a national symbol. And it was an often used word picture in the Old Testament, speaking of the vine. And they also understood what it meant to take care of these grapevines because of how abundant they were in, the, in where they lived. And maybe you're familiar with the care of grapevines, but maybe if you're not, uh, I think that the concept that Jesus is getting at, it's pretty simple. So I'm not the smartest person in the world, but it doesn't take a genius to know that grapes can only be produced when they're attached to grapevines. Like, grapes don't grow from orange trees, oranges don't grow from apple trees, and apples don't grow from cucumber vines. No, in order for grapes to grow, they must be attached and getting grape nutrients and grape DNA from the grapevine. And you know, I have tried a lot of crazy things in my horticulture adventures. Um, like two years ago during COVID, I, was, uh, I tried to grow 20-foot-tall sunflower stalks. And you know, it totally failed. It got about two feet tall, and because of my neglect and the heat, they just died. You know, I've tried, several years back, I tried to grow uh, watermelons up a trellis. And I, I made these little hammocks uh, that, like, out of bandanas for the watermelons to sit in as they grow. It was a great sight to see. It was really cool until, again, it totally failed. I went on vacation, and Alvin and the chipmunks, they came in and uh, ate my beautiful watermelon because the water came in and it just fell to the ground. 
It didn't go too well. And I even, I've even tried to start a worm farm to create food, uh, fertilizer from food scraps. So I've done, I've done a bunch of uh, borderline crazy and silly things, but you know what I've never tried to do? I've never tried to grow grapes from a tomato seed. Like if I told you I'm going to take a tomato seed and set it next to a bunch of grapes so that they could understand the grapes and study the grapes and know what the grape seeds did, and then a week later put that grape seed, uh, put, that, put that in the, in the ground expecting it to grow like something different. Like if I took a tomato seed and tried to put it uh, and, and try to grow grapes, you'd call me a fool. No, grapes come from being attached to a grapevine. They have to draw the nutrients in the DNA from the grapevine uh, that came from a grape seed in order for it to grow. So we get this idea that being attached to the right vine is extremely important to get the right fruit. And this is the picture that Jesus is giving us today. He's saying that he is the vine and we are the branches and the fruit that comes out of us uh, that can only come when we're connected to the vine of Jesus. And, and the word that Jesus uses over and over again in John 15, 1 through 11, is abide. It's remain. It's that idea of being connected to the vine. It's drawing from the vine of Jesus. Again, last week we spent a lot of time talking about abiding and what that looks like. Where this week we're going to look at the results of abiding. We're looking at the fruit of abiding in Jesus, leading us to our very simple main idea. This is, what, this is our main idea. Those connected to Jesus produce the fruits of Jesus. And like I already said, we're going to have a lot of overlap from our text uh, this week from last week, but it's from a different perspective. We're, this week we're really going to be inspecting the fruit that comes from abiding. And I think we can all agree that most people want at least some of the fruits of Jesus, or at least some, some, some form of it. Like we, if we walked up to a person on the street and said, hey, do you want to be uh, loving and joyful and patient and kind... I think a vast majority of people would say, well, yeah. Well, yet we also know that those virtues are, are much easier when things are going well. But when stress and worry and fear and, and hard circumstances come, when we're put under pressure, uh, being patient and loving and joyful, those are a little harder to come by. I mean, just go up to a, a group of stressed out investors on Wall Street or, or people stuck in traffic, uh, making them two hours late for a meeting. Or any parent with their child screaming at them with endless demands. And we'll learn real quick that these admired fruits of Jesus can seem more of an ideal aspiration than real life. But what I hope for us to see today is that Jesus calls us and equips us to bear his fruits in all circumstances of life. Is it easy and perfect? No. But the way in which he equips us to bear his fruits are through abiding in Jesus. Well, this is so important for us. Abiding in Jesus is essential to bearing the fruit of Jesus. Just like we can't get grapes from a tomato plant, we can't get all the fruits of Jesus without abiding in Jesus. Like they're all one and the same. Yes, like some people are naturally more patient or kind or joyful or loving or disciplined. But Jesus calls for all the fruits for all Christians, no matter our natural disposition or mood or our circumstance, which is really hard and extremely humbling, which brings us right back to our constant need of mercy and grace from Jesus. You know, last week we saw that an abiding Christian remains in the Word, remains in prayer, remains in obedience to Jesus, and also remembers the love of Jesus. So we, we, we abide in Jesus' unconditional love. We don't sit in condemnation and dwell on rejection and remain in fear and worry. No, we abide and we remain in the love of Jesus. You know, this is so important for us today. 
We never move past abiding. Abiding uh, are the A to Z's to the Christian life. We are, we are constantly in a state of abiding. We should be, or we should be striving to. And so that said, I want to read verses 5 to 10 again that we looked at last week. And I just want you to notice how frequently Jesus uses the word abide. Look what Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Church, again, abiding in Jesus, it's essential. It's, the, it's essential to the full life that Jesus has for us. And so uh, what is so important for us to grasp and fully understand, and I don't want us to assume, is that the gospel, it is essential to abiding. You know, in verse 9, Jesus said, abide in my love. And where, where was Jesus' love put on full display? His love was put on full display at the cross. When we remember the cross, we're not just remembering a religious symbol, No, we're remembering the love of Jesus. We remember the gospel. We remember that in our rebellion and sin, while we were covered in filth and sin, Jesus pursued us and rescued us like out of our sin, cleaning us and making us pure and holy by going to the cross and dying a death for us so that we could be with him forever. Which means every day we wake up, we are now able to abide in Jesus. Because listen, without the cross, there is no abiding. If our sins are not paid for at the cross, we can't be connected to the vine of Jesus. Everything we talk about today with the fruit of Jesus builds on the foundation of the gospel. And so if you're not a Christian here today, this is a free gift for you. Jesus went to the cross to die and pay the penalty for our sins so that we, you and I, we could abide in him. So that we could be connected to Jesus. We could say the exact same thing this way. Jesus died so we can abide. And this is not just a one-time salvation thing for after this life. No, it's an everyday thing for right now. So Christian, take heart today because in Jesus, because of the cross, we're able to abide and draw nutrients and life from Jesus. Because of the gospel, we're able to draw life from the author of life himself. And in all of this abiding talk, one of the reasons abiding is so great for us, as we saw last week, is because it produces the fruit of joy in us. That's what Jesus says in verse 11. Look what it says again. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Seeing, just like we saw last week, that when we abide in Jesus, when we're in the Word and praying and speaking with Jesus and uh, obeying the Word and remembering His love, one of the fruits that come out of us is a fullness of joy. And not because our circumstances are ideal and our mood and emotions are great, but because the nutrients we're drawing from When we abide in Jesus, is joy himself. Like when we draw from Jesus, we're drawing from joy. We're drawing from the creator of joy. Again, when grapes are connected to the grapevine, they're drawing the nutrients from the vine, and the results are grapes. And when we draw from the nutrients of Jesus, we're drawing from the ultimate source of joy. Again, I know a lot of this was said last week. But today we're looking at the other side of the coin and looking at the fruit that comes from abiding in Jesus. And if we miss or forget this abiding part, we've missed our source. And you know what I know? It's that abiding in Jesus in the way that he calls us to abide is really hard. 
Because in abiding, because at the core of abiding is resting. And when I say that, I don't mean we're inactive, because yes, we're in the Word, we're in prayer, we walk in obedience, but when we abide in Jesus' love, with all of those other things, there's an element of resting. Like our hearts and souls are resting in our abiding. Let me just think about this. When a branch is still connected to the vine, when it is abiding in the vine and drawing nutrients from the vine, vine, what are those branches doing? Nothing. They're just sitting there. They're not moving. They're just taking nutrients. Like they're resting and receiving from the vine. And as they're receiving and resting in the vine, fruit is being produced. And as soon as those branches move away from the vine, they move away from their source of nutrients, and they can no longer grow and produce more fruit. And the reason I bring all of this up today is because in this we need to ask, who produces the fruit? Well, the vine produces the fruit. Verse 5 tells us that apart from the vine, we can do nothing. No fruit is produced. And so for the rest of our time today, I want to look at more of uh, the fruit of abiding in Jesus. And today we're going to have two points. Based off of verses 7 through 11 that we've already seen, and then also uh, in verses 12 to 17. Look, these are the two points. Number one, Jesus produced fruit in us. And number two, Jesus produces fruit through us. Again, who produces the fruit? It's Jesus. The vine of Jesus produces the fruit. And what do we, the branches, do? We just simply abide. We sit. We rest. We remain connected to the vine, and we draw nutrients from the vine. But with that as the foundation, what I hope to show you today is there are two different ways that we see the fruit play out through abiding in Jesus. The first, our first point, is that Jesus produces fruit in us. It's more personal. It's the fruit of our own life. But the other fruit we see is that the the fruit comes through us. It goes to other people. The fruit of Jesus is not for us, but it's also for the benefit of others. Others benefit when we stay connected to the vine. And so in verses 7 through 11, there are fruits that we see individually for us, in us. And then in verses 12 to 17, the fruits are for those around us. Let's go ahead and look at our first one. Jesus produces fruit in us, number one. And so when we're drawing nutrients from Jesus, these are the things we should see in our own life. And if we don't see these things in our own life, it may mean we're trying to draw nutrients from false vines, kind of like we talked about last week. Trying trying, Trying to get grapes from a tomato plant, it just doesn't work. Again, all of these things we looked at last week, but today we're going to look at it from a different angle. And we're not going to spend a lot of time in this one, but I want to point them out. Look at verses 7 through 11 again. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. So we see this, these ideas of Bible engagement and prayer. Look at verse 9, to the idea of our love for Jesus. Look what Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And then in verses 10 and 11, we see these concepts of, of, of obedience and joy. And notice, I want you to notice how all of these are connected. Look what, look what verses 10 and 11 say. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, these are five things that we looked at last week. As we talked about abiding and what abiding looks like. However, these things are also fruits that occur in our own life when we abide. And so our text, it shows us five personal fruits that we see in our life when we draw nutrients from, the, from Jesus. And it, or, growing in Bible engagement. Growing in prayer. 
Growing in our love for Jesus, growing in obedience, and growing in joy. These are, all, uh, these are five personal fruits that we should see in our own life when we abide. And the reason I want to point these out again today as we discuss the fruit of abiding is because the more we abide in Jesus through these things that help us find rest in Jesus, the more we grow in them. So the fruit of abiding in Jesus is growing deeper into abiding. And in all of it leads us to more full joy. And so just think about this. The more we engage the Bible, and not just kind of like as a begrudging checklist thing, but as like a relational drawing nutrients from the Bible as the Word of God giving us life, the more we grow in wanting to engage the Bible. Like these are all kind of circular and connected. They feed into each other. So the more we abide through prayer in the Word, the more our love for Jesus grows and the more of His joy we gain. And then the more, we, the more joy we gain from abiding, the more we want to be in the Word, and the more we want to obey, and the more we want to obey, the deeper our love for Jesus grows. Again, all of five of these fruits feed into these, each other, and they fuel the growth of the others, and they draw us deeper into abiding. Like it's kind of circular. They're all connected. Again, I want us to see all five of these things interconnected together because they feed the growth of each other. So that we can almost sit back and assess our own personal lives. Because again, we're inspecting the fruit. We're inspecting fruit today. And so if we were to look at these five things of Bible engagement, prayer, love for Jesus, obedience to Jesus, and joy. And we think, about, think to ourselves, where am I personally lacking? Like which one do I need the most growth in? One of the ways that we raise the bar for, the, for those other areas where we aren't seeing as much fruit, is through a deeper abiding in those other areas where we are. No, I'm not saying we totally uh, disengage from the areas where we're struggling. I'm just saying uh, think about where you're seeing fruit and let those other areas fuel the areas you're lacking. For example, if we're struggling to obey the commands of Jesus, but we're constantly in the Word and in prayer, then dive deeper into the Word and spend more time praying for obedience. Or if we're struggling to find joy, we still have a love for Jesus that is growing. Grow our love for Jesus through abiding deeper in the word and prayer and obedience so that our joy in Christ will grow. We could take these scenarios so many different ways. But the point is they're all connected. And the more we abide in Christ, the resulting fruit is a deeper and a growing abiding. The, result, the resulting fruit is a deeper resting in Jesus. You know what, if you're thinking, well, what do I do if I'm lacking in all these areas? Well, I'm glad you asked because our next point will answer that question. So those are the five personal fruits from verses 7 through 11. And then let's look at verses 12 to 17 to see our next point. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So there are several things here, but the overarching theme in these verses are the fruits that come out of us to others, leading us to number two. Jesus produces fruit through us. Again, when we're abiding in Jesus, these are the fruits 
that are birthed in us, but then they come through us to, to others. So we're, it's not like we're a pond, but they just kind of gather uh, water for ourselves. We're more like a river where the water flows through us. Like we could say the fruits f- flow through us, but that doesn't make sense. But in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he says the same thing down in verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So we've got like a love one another sandwich here. And then everything in between in verses 13 to 16, he uses his love for them as an example for how they love one another. So Jesus modeled his love to us for us to then take to others. So in this second point, I want to show us four different fruits that Jesus has shown to us that we then are to pass on to others. And to answer that question of what do we do when we're lacking those five personal fruits? What do we do when we're struggling to abide and find joy and engage the Bible and struggling to pray and struggling to obey the word? You know what we do? We let the people around us be a gift to us. And we benefit from the fruits that are passing through them to us. And so, Christian, are you struggling to abide? Are you struggling to find joy or to engage the word or to pray? Let this be a reminder to find someone or spend more time with more people that are displaying these gifts and benefit from their fruit. And let the gift of a friend or a spouse or a brother or a sister in Christ spur us on to a deeper abiding. Church, the relationships in our life are so essential. Like we need each other. The friends in our lives, whether close by or halfway around the world, when we're down, they pick us up. Those are the friends we all need. And as we look at these four fruits that come out of our life when we abide, these are the fruits that will bless, also bless those around us. And so when we abide in Christ, we bless those around us because we have great fruit to share with others. So let's look at the first fruit that Jesus models for us from verses 13. Look what it says. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Again, this is what Jesus modeled for us. And when we abide in Jesus, we do the same. And what did the vine of Jesus do for us? Well, he laid down his life for us. He went to the cross. He sacrificed his life for ours. He gave up his life so that we could be with and so that we could know God. Because as we've seen in the book of John, after this teaching, Jesus then goes to the cross, dies, and lays down his life uh, for not just these disciples, but for the whole world, including you and me. And here Jesus is showing them and us that when we're connected to the vine of Jesus, the nutrients in the DNA that we draw from Jesus is a sacrificial love. Showing us, 2A, the fruit of sacrifice. Those who are connected to the vine of Jesus are drawing from a source that leads us to sacrificial love. When we abide in Jesus, we're led to make sacrifices for others. We're led to consider others first, to think of others as more significant than ourselves. Church, this is what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to lay down our life for one another, to continually sacrifice our time and our talent and our gifts for others, our resources, our money. It's not just for us, it's for others. Our time, it's not just for us, it's for others. Everything we own, it's not just for us, it's to benefit others. The Christian life is a life of ongoing sacrifices. And you know what happens when we abide in Jesus? Our extravagant sacrifices become joyful. And why? Because that's the DNA that we're drawing from out of the vine that we're connected to. 
when we're not joyfully sacrificing, it's a call for us to go into a deeper abiding. Like this is the normal Christian life. When we abide in Jesus, it leads us to sacrifice for our friends and our families and our neighbors and our church. It's a call for us to care for those who are sick and to help others and to give people rides and to to offer beds to sleep in. And what I want to point out here is that, yes, we're called to sacrifice for those who don't know Jesus, but I want to point out that he's speaking to his followers. He's referring to the body of Christ, the church. And what does a healthy, abiding church look like? It looks like a radically joyful, sacrificing church. So Jesus models for us the fruit of sacrifice. But then look again. Look at verse 14 and 15. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And so I want to point out here that Jesus has referred to his disciples now three times as friends. He said he laid down his life for his friends. He said, you are my friend if you do what I command. And then he said, no longer do I call you servants, but friends. And what what made the disciples now friends with Jesus? Well, he tells them in verse 15 that what he has heard from the Father, he has made known to them. So Jesus shared his life with them. Jesus modeled transparency. New City, I don't want us to miss this. Jesus gave up his life to be able to call you and me his friends. Jesus became friends with sinners. Church, may we not miss the gift of this to us. Because through the gospel, through believing in Jesus, and only through believing in Jesus, we're made friends of God. Like, this is grace to us. Jesus has entrusted his life to his disciples and now to us. And why? Because he calls us his friends. And in it, Jesus modeled transparency and vulnerability and sacrifice and a mutual bond in the Lord that creates friendship. Jesus joined with us so that we could be united with God. And in our friendship with Jesus, unity is formed. And when we're attached to the vine of Jesus, united with him and God, he then leads us to do the same for others. Like Our friendship with Jesus, it directs our friendship with others, showing us to be the fruit of united friendship. Church, when we're connected to Christ, we automatically have a united bond. We have a mutual connection that makes our friendships significantly deeper with other Christ followers. Like, I have friends all over the world because Christ has united us. We have different backgrounds, different cultures, different lifestyles, and really no common interest except for Jesus. Having the united bond of Jesus, it automatically unites us with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus has modeled to us what friendships look like. And in this, you know, I've, I've been so like, encouraged and challenged by this. Because I'm not the type of person where a lot of uh, friendships just come naturally to me. I'm pretty introverted and I just like to be by myself. But y'all, we, we, we not only need friends, but when we abide in Christ, it changes the way that we're friends with others. Because think about what Jesus did to become friends with us. Jesus pursued us. He saw us in our mess, and he called us his own. Yes, there's like a mutual pursuit in our relationship with Jesus, but let's be honest. Jesus always pursues us first. Jesus is always reaching out to us, always. Jesus is the constant pursuer in the relationship, and when we don't pursue him, he doesn't shut us out. No, he always draws us back to him. Christian, this is what we're called to do for others. 
We're not called to wait for people to pursue us. No, Jesus pursued us, so we pursue others. We're always the pursuer in the relationship. Yes, there should be like a mutual pursuit, but praise the Lord that Jesus doesn't base his relationship to us based on our pursuit of him. Because no, in our mess and filth, when we didn't pursue him, when, when we were running from him, what did he do? He ran after us. He pursued us. He brought us back to himself. Now listen, abiding in Christ leads us to be in the constant pursuit of others. Like, are you struggling to pursue relationships? Are you, are you struggling for new relationships, to pursue new relationships? The call today is to abide in the ultimate pursuer and draw from his pursuing DNA. You know what else Jesus modeled for us? Jesus became friends with people who weren't like him. He became friends with sinners. Jesus put up a lot with us to be our friend. Church, we're called to do the same with others. Abiding in Christ leads us to be friends with people that are different from us. But then also, Jesus modeled transparency and vulnerability. He made himself known to us. He didn't hide himself from us. No, he revealed himself to us. This is the fruit of abiding. Abiding in Christ leads us to a friendship, to friendships with transparency and vulnerability. Church, we all need friends in our life. And as we abide in Christ, it directs our friendships. It allows the gift of Jesus to go into us and then out to others. So our abiding, it gives us the ongoing energy and the strength to continually invest in others and to be united with people that are not like us, that are different from us, and that are maybe hard to be with. But in all of this, I want us to ask again, Christian, are we struggling to abide in Christ? And if so, find a good friend that's abiding. A brother and sister, get in a group, come on Wednesday nights. Like, let's abide together uh, and let's abide and bearing the fruits uh, and reap, reap from their abiding because it will bless us. Our friends are a blessing to us. We all need them. I pray all the time that our church will be filled with people that love each other and develop deep friendships. And not because we have all similar interests, but because we all have the same uniting bond of Jesus. There's so much more we could say here, but let's keep going. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I just want to point out, yes, the third time now that he's said that, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He, Jesus is calling us to pray, to be a praying people. But what I want to point out here is that we see again that Jesus pursued us and he chose us we didn't choose jesus no he chose us that's what it says but then it says he chose us and appointed us so that we should go and bear fruit and that our fruit should abide again we see very plainly here that our fruit it's for others that it doesn't stay with us but it's for others and what i want to point out is to ask the question how do these fruits abide in others like he's told us to call and go go and bear fruit in others but how do we do that? Well, it's only through Jesus. Yes, we can pass on fruits to others, but the only way our fruits will abide in other people is through Jesus then abiding in them, which shows us that there is a missional and there is an evangelistic element that comes out of those who abide in Jesus, leading us to, to see the fruit of mission. So in order for our fruit to abide in others, as it says, again, Jesus has to abide in them. And the only way for Jesus to abide in them is through gospel proclamation. 
It's through pointing people to Jesus. It's through both evangelism and discipleship. Our fruit doesn't stay with us. No, it's to be passed through us, meaning an abiding Christian is a proclaiming Christian. When we abide in Christ, we proclaim Christ. When we abide in Christ, we disciple others to Christ. We give other people Jesus. We pass on the fruit that God has placed in us. This is the fruit of abiding. Like when we sit and we rest in Christ, in Jesus, what then comes out of us is a missional uh, urgency. Like there's an element of mission here. Again, the more we abide, the more we live on mission. An abiding Christian is a missional Christian. So then lastly, look at verses 12 and 17 again. This is our sandwich. Look at verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And also down in verse 17, it says, These things I have commanded you, I command you so that you will love one another. Your city, when we are abiding in the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus passes through us to others. When we're abiding in Jesus, we love one another. And so all of these things he said, so that we would love one another, leading us to, to D, the fruit of love. This is where all these come together. We love others through sacrifice and through mission and through friendships. And so all of these together are included in this. Like sacrifice without love is joyless. Friendship without love, it's an obligation. Mission without love, it's legalism. Like love drives them all. You know, I don't think I've ever noticed this, maybe until this week. But the fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about often throughout this series as we talked about the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians, almost all of them are mostly seen in our interactions with others. Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we do, and when we, uh, like, when do we, when do we need these the most often? When we're around other people. Yes, we also need them by ourselves, but even more so with others. I don't know about you, but for me, it's way easier for me to be patient and full of peace and loving and kind and gentle when I'm by myself, not affected by other people. But when I rub shoulders with other people, that's when some of these fruits are tested. Y'all, our relationships with others give evidence to our abiding, which tells us, like husband and wife, friends, brother and sister, roommates, parents, when these fruits are being tested, the response is not to buck up and fix it. No, the response is, oh, wait a second. I need to be more connected to the vine of Jesus. Like, I need more of his grace. I need more of his mercy in my life. Like, if I'm struggling to show grace and kindness, that's evidence that I've forgotten grace. And I need to draw more from his grace. If I'm struggling to pursue people, that's evidence I need to sit at, the, at his feet of my pursuer in Christ. If I'm struggling to be around people that aren't like me, that's evidence I need to come to the one who left his throne in heaven to come and be friends with me, a sinner. Church, when these fruits are lacking in our relationships with others and in how we show love to others, it's like a check engine light to our abiding. And when others in our life are lacking these fruits to us, we need to ask ourselves, how do we then respond with the fruits of the Spirit? How can I show grace and kindness to this person that's like being mean to me? Like, how do we do it? Well, we draw nutrients from the vine of Jesus in those moments, totally dependent on his power. Because I know 
My flesh tells me, like, all the time, this is really hard. And you know what it does to us, hopefully? It sends us right back to our need and desperation for Jesus. Like, utterly dependent on his power and thirsting for his grace. And when we mess up and fall short and we're really struggling with something, maybe like a sin issue or a character issue, you know what we do? We let others in the body of Christ love us. And we go and sit by them and let the fruits that are coming out of their life bless us and encourage us and spur us on. This is what the body of Christ looks like. Like we love one another. New City, one of the reasons I love our church is because we just have a lot of sweet, fruit-producing people that love Jesus. And I'm so thankful that your love, it spurs me on into a deeper abiding. Like there is a community benefit when we each and when we all abide in Christ. So I want to end with this. Because when we talk about all these things, like all of these fruits sort of to come out of us, when we start to look at our life, it can be a little overwhelming at times. You know what happens to us if we start trying to produce these fruits in our own strength? And it doesn't just work? Because, the, listen, the only way we can produce these fruits is through abiding. You know, last weekend, I was out with my kids. We were kind of swimming out in the bay uh, down there, Cypress Point Park, and it was about two or three feet of water. And I was, in the, I was in the water. I was working with my five-year-old daughter trying to teach her how to float. Like, she can, she can swim, but she really struggles to float. And so I was working with her, and, you know, she was just latched onto me, like latched onto my neck just like a leash. She was laying down backwards. She was holding onto me for her life, trying so hard not to sink. I was like, babe, you've got to relax. But she was just latching onto me for her life, and she was asking, like, am I floating? Am I floating? She was trying so hard to float, but the girl, she was just not floating. And I had to tell her, the only way you can float is just to relax and rest your body. And just let the water hold you up. And as soon as she tried to take matters into her own hands and latch onto me or tense up or freak out, she wouldn't float, she would just sink. But as we know, the only way she could float was to rest. She had to rest every part of her body. Every part of her body had to be at rest. The harder she tried to float, the more she would sink. The only way she could float was to rest and for her, and for her to allow the water to hold her up. As I was out there with her, I was thinking, this is how it is with us in abiding and producing fruit. We can't work harder to produce more fruit. We can't produce the fruit of joy in our life by trying harder. No, we produce the fruit of joy by resting and abiding in Jesus and letting his joy hold us up. Well, there's no way we can white-knuckle our way into more joy and a deeper love for Jesus and making it easiest for us for, to obey and to constantly pursue others and to live sacrificially with joy and to love people that are hard to love. We see all these fruits, like to see all these fruits in our life. No, we have to simply rest and abide in his word and in prayer. The answer is not to try harder. No, we abide deeper. The fruit of our life, it comes through Jesus, not our own strength. New City, just like last week, the call for us today and every day is to simply abide. That's the call. Abide in Christ. Rest in Christ. Let's, let's pray. God, you have called us to do, to produce uh, great fruits to come out of us. God, we are to love other people, to sacrificially care for others, 
called us to really hard things just to personally do in our own lives. God, we can't do these in our own strength. The only way we can do these things is is with rest and abide. God, I pray that we would be a deeply abiding church that just learns to sit and rest in your arms. God, we need you and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.